Hi, everyone. I hope that you are enjoying reInvent, and thank you for coming to our session today. I will be talking about uh, Amazon Macy, and uh, we get a deep dive into how you can protect your data using this uh, new service. My name is Zahir Dannawi. I'm responsible of the product management of this product. So let's get started. So what is Amazon Macy? Amazon Macy is an ML-powered tool that gives you visibility into your account and more specifically into your data. So this will help you to detect all the sensitive information and you can achieve higher level of security and you can achieve all the compliance that you need to do. So how we do that? Our approach is based on the following. First, we look into the data and we classify it. So we highlight the doc type, what theme in this each file, and if there's any sensitive information such as PII and PHI, will all be highlighted for you and pointing to you in your environment. So currently we support Amazon S3. In the future, we're planning to support other data sources. So that's the first part. The second part is we combine this with user behavior analytics. So if you know your data, what's in it, it's not enough. You still need to know who's accessing your data. So by combining these two, you have a bigger understanding of your security posture from the data protection perspective. So the first part we do, classify. Second part, we analyze all the access uh, policies for the data. So for S3, we look at the policies of the bucket, and we look at the ACL policies of the bucket and at the objects. And this way, you have full understanding of who has access to what in your content. And the final part is we look at who's actually accessing your data by applying user behavior analytics on the CloudTrail information of your account. So we monitor what the user are doing, and we try to predict their future behavior, and if they deviate, we alert on it. So what are the goals for the data-centric security? So these are the goals that we put for us in order to achieve a higher value for our customers. The first one is to, hard to, to try to categorize new and unknown threats. And we base on known and theorized examples. So we try, like, we know about threats, so we try to, to, to detect these threats. And while we're doing this, we learn about new threats and we try to protect you against. The main goals that we have is to have high coverage and we try to our best to have high accuracy. We we spend a lot of time to reduce the false positive as much as we can. How we do that? By trying to, uh, to apply adaptive mechanism for our system. So visibility in your core data is very important. Why? Because you have a lot of contributors in your environment. If you have three, four applications running every day, and generating new data and they are stored in S3, this data growing every day and you don't know what's in it and if the configuration of this application changed, now you, maybe you have some sensitive information getting into S3 without even knowing about it. And by, by, by not knowing about it, you might not be compliant with some important compliance regulations such as PCI and GDPR. So how we emphasize on this by doing anomaly detection and identify all overly permissive policies attached to the bucket and to the object level. So 3D visibility into, into your data is very important because you have object visibility. We go, we give you the size, the type, and the date on it. Content visibility, we open the object, we go inside the object and we see what content do you have. Do you have personal data? Do you have credentials in your, uh, in your uh, object? For example, if an engineer uploaded a, like, a source code and they forgot to remove their credentials in their code, that might be a threat to your uh, organization. And Finally, as I mentioned, the security and compliance visibility, identification of overly permissive data, 
and, authentic uh, and authentication and authorized access to content, and how you can even remediate all these concerns. All this will be covered today in our session. So I would like to highlight some key information about the data classification that Amazon Macy does. It, not only detecting PII information and PHI, but help you to classify the source code that you have in S3, help you to detect if you have any SSL certificate, any private key uploaded to your, uh, to your S3 environment, and definitely if you have any database backups that they are not well protected. So now I would like to invite our friend Ajit from Edmonds. He worked with us uh, on Amazon Macy in our beta, and he's a, a current uh, customer. He would like to invite him to the stage. And as well, I would like to invite the general manager of Amazon Macy to join me to the stage, and they have a conversation about Macy. Thank you. Thank you, Zahir. Now, now I pass the token for you to share with us your experience. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for coming here. Really excited to talk about what we do and how we use Macy. So at Edmonds, we absolutely love helping you find the perfect car that you want. And I hope many of you have used us. And if you're looking out for buying a new car, do, do go there. We have a lot of things, interesting things for you there. Uh, a couple of interesting things for you to size up what uh, the data volume that we're talking about. Uh, we get about 20 million unique visitors a month. Uh, we serve about 200 million page views a month. We have several thousands of partners and franchisee. And any given day, we have over 5 million inventory uh, on the website. These are the vehicles uh, that are up for sale. Uh, I'm sure you can imagine that means a lot of data. Uh, a couple of years ago, we started our journey into virtualization and cloud. We are all in AWS customer. We are running in AWS 100% for the last couple of years. Uh, as you can see, the timelines here, and we are constantly exploring new services, and we are working with different teams here. Uh, <clears throat> what started an uh, interesting turn was as we went into all-in AWS, something was growing way too fast than we could ever imagine, and that was S3. It was tangential growth uh, of the data, and it continues to be that way. Uh, with, with those, uh, you can, uh, S3 is very easy to store the data, very easy to operate. You can replicate data across the regions. You can apply a lot of site policies, and you can share the data with many of your partners or customers or uh, collaborators. The concern uh, that we have, uh, or we had with those, was how do we know, uh, how do we know what's in there? So, in, in all, what has happened is S3 has become the de facto storage for the internet. Uh, we use it as a data lake. There's a big data analytics with EMR that we do. Uh, we use uh, all of the application log storage goes in there. Our database backs up, backups are there. And there are many, many more use cases where S3 stores the variety of data. In all, uh, basically, it's the, uh, any kind of data is S3 uh, for us. Now, S3, as I mentioned, is very easy to operate with. But that doesn't necessarily have to mean that easy uh, means accident. So there are a couple things that I would like to call out as a word of caution here. Uh, and we learned some of those through our mistakes or by working with the team here, is uh, always use the bucket permissions. Uh, have very tight IAM rules and policies. Uh, apply lifecycle policies for archiving the data when it's needed. And it's uh, very important. Uh, keep your keys secure. Uh, I, I can't reemphasize that part enough. And as Zahar mentioned, don't leave your keys in the code. <laughs> that, Thankfully, Macy is there to find those out, but uh, that could be a good development practice to begin with. Uh, and do not share your bucket or make them public unless you really wanted it to be. And once you made it, then also make sure that once the job is done, remove the public access to it. Uh, as we went into AWS, there are a couple best practices around infrastructure security that will uh, help you keep your data and access patterns secure. Uh, use VPC, use security groups, uh, use MFA on your accounts uh, for people who have access to your console, do key rotation, and do auditing. Now, even with all of that, there is enough scope for us to be concerned about, and uh, our challenges are what data is out there on the internet? Where is it? What is it? When was it added? And what does it contain? 
for an example, I may have a S3 bucket that's growing in a size, and I don't know why it's growing. I may think that it's application logs going in there. There could be some uh, something sitting in there that's adding the data. There could be security keys in there. There could be credit card information in there. So the way I look at data and what cons my concern is, it's not only the amount of data, it's not only type of the data, it's all of it. When was it added? Who is accessing it? What's in there? Is it sensitive? And if it is, then what do we do about it? So uh, once you know all of it and you find something, then how do you build a workflow that won't work, wake you up middle of the night to find that, oh, you need to take action? So that's also a part of the DevOps process that I lead at admins in thinking about uh, automating almost everything that we can. So coming to how we use uh, Macy at Edmonds, uh, 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 we have been using Macy a little bit from the beta time frame, and a very interesting anecdote. During testing, one of uh, my admin uh, member, he was traveling outside, and uh, Macy kept flagging us that someone is accessing from a different country. Of course, he was accessing uh, our account in his long flight to Asia Pacific. So that, that's the power I think I want to highlight that Macy does along with its uh, machine learning that I think Alex is going to show you towards uh, next session. So what we do is we use, uh, we turn on the Macy for all of our S3 we, uh, or some of the uh, buckets that we, we are concerned about. Uh, we, Macy does basically a minute, every minute is doing the data scans and is pulling the auditing reports. It's uh, once it does audit, we have configured the access, sorry, the alerting rules. If it finds something, then it does alert us. And there are events that are associated with it that we take very seriously if it's coming back to us alerting. We also use it to see the data classification. So it does the identification of sensitive data. Uh, it tells us whether the data found was it had the access keys or there was probably it was accessed a little bit too frequently or there was some other kind of problem. I think uh, we'll cover some of those examples in the demo that will mm -hmm. uh, help you find how you can do it as well. And uh, we are heavily working on integrating all of this into workflows. Uh, what I mean is workflow. Let's say if you're working on a new application that interacts with S3, then you can include the hookups into your DevOps processor. From the get-go, you are sure that your buckets are secure, uh, your applications do not have anything. All, all of that, even before that hits the production. Uh, so. Uh, Talking a little bit about data classification, what Macy does is it does the data classification. You can see PII, is it, does, it, does it have maybe driver license information? Maybe someone accidentally for his car is up to sale and they are, along with that they accidentally put in some driver license scan copy, something like that. Uh, or they accidentally put in credit card informations. So based on those, um, what Macy does is it builds a nice risk profile for us. So that way we can see where the risk profile is, what is this associated with, whether it's associated with a bucket or a particular object, and we can filter and search for those uh, for risk very easily with a, a couple clicks. And you can see the access pattern as well. So if you know that you found something, or even if you didn't find something, there was, you, you can simply see that you have a bucket, you have an object that's being constantly accessed, and you can, it, it makes you think, uh, like why, why do I need, uh, why I'm seeing what I'm seeing. So <clears throat> uh, once we, we have all of this, uh, then there are very easy remediation. What Macy does is it has a hookups. So once you get the alert, you can uh, write a couple of Lambda functions where you can take actions like uh, lock the bucket, revoke the action, access permissions to it, or delete the object. Or if uh, you're seeing access alerts based on uh, your access logs, you can invoke access to the user. So there are many interesting things that Macy has been enabling us over the last six, eight months that actually lets me do my job very efficiently. So I don't, need, I don't have a need to run after these alerts. I can focus on things that really matters to the business. So with that, I'll hand it over to Alex, who is going to show you some uh, interesting features and use cases that uh, I'm sure you love and use. Thanks, Ajit. Get the demo set up here quickly. Switch the screen. 
switch the screen. That is not what we're supposed to be looking at. <laughs> it is yeah. good. All right, we're going to see if I can look forward and then demo backwards at the same time right now. <laughs> Um, what you're looking at here is the, uh, the dashboard screen for Macy. Um, so during our exercise today, I'm going to start with just a general overview for the people here who have not seen Macy or used it before. Um, this is actually running on real uh, live content, so these are some of the internal accounts that we use for, for prototyping. Um, but it does make for a much more realistic data set for us to go through. Um, after we go through some basic menus, I thought we would cover some more advanced use cases. Um, we built Macy originally really as a security tool, as uh, Zahir was mentioning earlier. And through our limited preview process and from feedback through customers, we've seen that there's a lot of applications just outside of detecting compromised accounts or unauthorized accesses to data, and really started looking at um, applications around compliance as well. Um, so for those of you that are familiar with uh, uh, Europe's GDPR um, privacy standard, which is going into effect in May, um, what we've been able to do with customers, what I was going to walk through today, kind of a practical exercise of the initial data mapping, so which is a lot of times the most resource-intensive part of data classification, identifying where your information exists, um, where your sensitive information is really according to your own policies, and you have a fair amount of uh, configurability here. Um, and then on top of that, understanding information flows. So where is that data being accessed from? Where is it going? And after that, building policies and things like that that you can do in addition to the machine learning type alerts that, that Macy generates. Um, so what you see here is actually, uh, it's an overview of everything. Um, Macy, as we mentioned earlier, does, uh, uh, gives you insight into user activity, which I can see uh, highlighted right here. Um, Macy, when you first onboard, we validate that CloudTrail is enabled. Uh, we also turn on uh, data plane accessing for S3. So any get or put or delete that happens in the S3 environment also gets sent through Macy. Um, what's happening here is that's all being combined into an understanding of every IAM user or role across the network, and we look at how it's interacting with data. The second part of what we do, in addition to analyzing activity, is actually analyzing content, so the data classification. And we get a lot of questions about how that happens or how that works. Um, how we've done this um, is that uh, when you initially onboard as well, um, you run a set of CloudFormation scripts. Those CloudFormation scripts will, will create a role um, inside your account that the Macy service has the ability to assume. That role has read-only access to content that enables the Macy service to analyze content that exists inside S3. Um, currently, we're able to support, obviously, unencrypted data. Um, we can uh, handle encrypted data that's using the KMS master key, so the kind of default KMS encryption. Uh, in the very short future, we are going to enable you to extend your KMS client-side key policy to enable the Macy service to use that uh, to decrypt content on your behalf. Um, another thing um, worth noting, too, is that you know, we've gone to, to quite a bit of links here to make sure none of that content ever hits disk. It's all treated very... Uh, um, with that utmost degree of, of security. Um, and also, none of that content is replicated in this <coughs> environment. So that's another question we have. Design decision from the very beginning was not to create additional compliance concerns for our customers. Um, so we keep tags, like very similar to what you see um, over here on the, uh, uh, the menu here. Um, so this is really meant to be more illustrative than anything else. But in addition to the um, ability to classify um, content, we assign a risk to everything. That risk could be due to personally identifiable information. It could be due to here, as we see in our, in our test environment, um, you know, a quantity of access keys. Um, everybody laughs during the demo, and they say, oh, we would never have access keys or RSA keys or things like that in our environment. But uh, you know, we find quite often that um, they exist in, in the last place that anyone would ever expect them to be. So here you can get some nice visibility. We've moved over. As I double-clicked on this, we've moved over to a research page. And here you can get some visibility into the objects that have been discovered. So um, for those keys that were discovered, for example, I know this is difficult to read, what accounts did they belong to? It's kind of an interesting thing. Um, some of our, our customers have thousands of accounts. They wouldn't want to log into a separate Macy interface for each one of those accounts. Um, so you have the ability to delegate a primary account um, and then member accounts. Um, so here you see a representation of all the accounts that exist inside of your environment per region. Um, none of that data leaves region, so you will have a separate Macy instance per region, um, but you can um, see everything and apply policies across all accounts in a single region. So here I can see um, for the AWS secret keys discovered inside of my account, I can see what um, bucket they belong in, I can see access permissions to that bucket, I can see other types of data, so really any information that we're able to glean as the Macy service classifies content. 
See what I can do? So here I can see the, uh, the bucket name. You can see the, uh, the full key uh, that exists for the object inside of that bucket. What is the risk level? This is um, user-definable. Um, you also see um, here we have, we've obfuscated the content. What we discovered when we first launched is that we would find um, secret keys in the weirdest places. We would find it inside Android APKs. Maybe that doesn't surprise people here too much. Um, or uh, you know, inside documents or inside caches used from applications. So we needed to give our customers enough data that they could be confident that that's what they were looking at. Um, so what you see here is kind of a, an overall representation. We see the secret access key, but the actual key material has been, um, has been blanked out. Another really important thing you see here is for every object that's analyzed by Macy, we'll pull back the, um, the access control list as well. Um, what does this mean? I, th I think a lot of you guys are familiar with some of the updates that have happened in config and S3 recently where you log into your console and you can see that every bucket, whether it has open bucket permissions or not. Um, Macy actually goes a step deeper and will analyze access policies for objects as well. So even in an object or a bucket where you may have um, bucket, owner only, bucket owner only has privileges, it's getting good at saying that, um, you could have an object inside of it uh, that has global permissions. For example, if you go into the S3 console and click make global. Um, Macy analyzes all this and really gives you a very comprehensive view of visibility inside of your environment. Go back to the dashboard here. So in addition to that first view that you saw, um, we've got more detailed views that I'll go through rather quickly. Um, you can get started with Macy if you guys are interested. There's a free tier. Um, we're launched in US East and US West right now. Uh, there's a free tier, you can go ahead and get started. You can analyze up to a gigabyte of content for free and a million um, access logs per month. Um, so here's a breakdown of what's been discovered inside of my environment. And what you see is a variety of different classification techniques that we'll dive into a little bit um, that are all being applied here. Uh, we do anything as simple as regular expression-based matching, which is very, you know, as we saw AWS seeker keys and RSA keys, they certainly have a purpose for detection. They don't work well for some of the other types of things that are really important to customers like PII or identifying general purpose labels to apply, such as source code. Uh, we are opening up our regex engine pretty soon, so that's something to look for as, as a roadmap item uh, to allow customers to define their own regular expressions. <coughs> and out of the box, we ship with over 50 different um, regular expressions to find credentials and things like that. Taking things up a, sec a second level, we've got a uh, support vector machine that we use to recognize different types of content. So this is supervised content recognition. Here you see JSON at the very top, uh, CloudTrail logs being recognized. This is by looking at content inside of the JSON object. Uh, currently, our system is, is um, capable of classifying the top 40 programming languages on GitHub, top 15 database backup formats, top 15 log formats, things like that that really help you get a thousand foot view of where data exists inside of your environment. As a next step on top of this, for data classification, we want to take things a step further. And one of the really sensitive use cases for almost every customer we've had so far has been around detection of personal data, or PII. Um, here, what we wanted to do is, is really uh, use machine learning here and you know, throw the kitchen sink at reducing the amount of false positives that, that will get discovered and giving you the highest accuracy classifications possible. Here, you see an example of some of the different types of data that um, our PII detector will pull out. Um, and I can talk about these a little bit too. One, you know, some of the areas that were interesting, um, name and address detection. There's really not much that existed in the NLP space. Uh, we were able to work with the, uh, um, the deep learning and the NLP team here at, at Amazon and create our own um, system here, essentially, that would uh, give high confidence detection of names and addresses in unstructured data, uh, which we see an awful lot of inside of S3. Um, other things such as credit card numbers, you know, we do a bin check and a LUN check, so we do everything that we can. There's still the, the chance of getting false positives. Um, and what we've done up here, and this is one of the things recommended by FIPS and NIST standards, is we've mapped these different classifications that you have um, for, um, to, to the low, moderate, or high. So the idea of being a database backup that had hundreds or thousands of email addresses and passwords and names and things like that would be much more important to your organization than something that doesn't. So this is an easy way to get started, um, but you have the ability, and Macy and we'll go over that, um, to map your own um, um, levels of importance for the, the data that's really important to you. So here, I, I just did a search, a very easy search across Macy saying, show, you know, bring back anything that has um, high PII value inside of it. And we can see what buckets this type of data exists in. So I can see two different buckets here. Um, and I can also get some information here and kind of show you what the output of this looks like. So here you can see Macy was capable of discovering 255 names inside of this object. Um, 100 credit card numbers. 
And uh, one of the things that I wanted to go over today is that for a lot of our customers, you have a very specific policy um, that may be created by your company saying, this is what we consider to be PII. Some companies may care about IP addresses, other ones may care about names, things like that. So right now we're gonna go over some of the features in Macy we can use to build a, a, a more specific search than what you see right here. So let's go ahead and pick on credit cards. I think that's a good way to start. Um, what we're gonna take advantage of, as you see down here, there's um, actually addi additional information. You know, we've got um, stored here the number of credit cards that have been discovered. So we're going to build a query that will search for a certain number, minimum number of names and credit cards existing in any object inside of your environment um, that will return a search. Let's go ahead. And this is really, uh, you know, that first stage data mapping is this, its discovery of PII. It's mapping it to what you believe is important um, and then understanding information flows. We'll do all that today. So I'm going to go ahead and, and um, what I've found, one of the really nice things to do here is, you know, kind of start from what we already have. For any of the alerts, there's two different types of alerts inside Macy. Some are machine learning driven. We call them predictive alerts. Essentially what they're doing is they're baselining user behavior. They're doing one step ahead prediction across a set of different features, like how many objects did you download? and then alerting when we have a big change. The second type of alert here are, uh, for lack of a better term, rule-driven alerts. Anything that you can query or talk to or that you saw on the research page, you can build an alert out of. Um, we use Lucene query syntax. If you guys have used Elasticsearch in the past or Lucene or Solar, um, it's the same language. And what I like to do here, let's go ahead and see if we can find anything. Here's an alert that searches for a quantity of, of, uh, of credit cards inside of an object. So we're gonna go ahead and pick on this. We're gonna modify this alert for our own purposes. So I went back, I clicked on it, and went to research instead of edit, so it took me to the research page, which gives me a forensic view of what's happening in my environment. And now we're gonna do something somewhat advanced here, um, but uh, everyone can follow along. What we're gonna really zero in on is the, um, uh, we're gonna zero in on the, uh, the credit card detection specific piece here. So I'm gonna remove part of this query. So here what we have, it's actually using Macy's regular expression syntax, it's searching for something in the explain with a credit card that has, if you guys have done regexes before, um, two digits here, one starting with the two, so a minimum of 20, or three or more digits of distinct credit card numbers. Uh, we can go ahead and modify this now. What we're gonna do is we're going to search for a minimum quantity of names as well. So this is looking for 20 or more credit card numbers. Let's do a simple and then. And we will modify the search. You could search for IP addresses, really any of those fields that you saw on our dashboard that are important to you. This is also described in our documentation. You can go and search for it. And once again, we're looking for distinct full names. Okay, so here we're looking for a combination of credit card numbers and full names that exist across S3. Here we can see we're looking for 20 or more existing in any object and see most of these guys appear to have been downloaded or uh, created fairly recently. Um, one of those things, the next step, like what do you have from a compliance perspective? Question we get from customer all the time. How do I validate that my lifecycle policies that I have for compliance are actually in effect? Show you how easy this is to do. Um, we can actually just start typing here. So I'm gonna do another and. Let's set timestamp. Something for more than six months ago. So right now we're looking for any objects that exist inside of my environment that are over six months old that have credit card numbers and emails. And really, this is your up to the five minute, up to the 10 minute audit report that you might wanna to give to your, your customers when you're done. So here we can see a full breakdown of everything that's been discovered. These guys were all uploaded um, in October of 2016. Um, I can see what accounts in, what buckets they're in, so you've got really nice visibility here. Um, and I can see that all the different objects. If I wanted to go ahead and export these guys to take to my team for remediation, saying these, these shouldn't exist in my environment, I can just click here. Um, and it will generate a nice CSV um, that you guys can't see because it just got popped up on my other screen. Um, I just want to add a little um, yeah, please. nugget here. One of the interesting ways you can find out if your keys are not rotating every six months is you make a simple query. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier and you can find out if there are one user left that has not been rotated on the key and that's been super helpful for us. So you can come up with interesting queries here and use the power of it to find object that should have been archived and is not archived, or keys that are showing up over six months, the same keys, then you know that they have not been uh, rotated as well. So. Yeah, and those are some of the really cool use cases we've been working on with Ajit and his team, and other things we're looking for feedback on. Um, any alerts that get generated in Macy will get sent to CloudWatch events as well. 
So it's a nice integration point there with different team tools, Slack, Jira, Confluence, like really whatever you like to use to manage tickets. And we're interested right now in creating a set of like template Lambda functions, working with our customers to do kind of popular tasks. Um, one example might be if, if any object ever gets set to public access inside right. of a um, sensitive or compliance controlled bucket that you could just have a Lambda remediate that object ACL, send a note yeah. to Slack. And we have been talking, uh, what would really help is uh, some of customers like us is if there are standard templates that they can hit the ground running. Uh, we had an early start, so we had to write Lambda functions from beginning. We had to come up with policies. But in light of recent security events, maybe there's a simple thing that it alerts on everything that's made public. or th There could be some canned rules that can help all of us here in the room mm -hmm. if, if there is something on the plan. I didn't mean to put you on the spot, but guys, these two listen for We feedback. do what our customers ask us to do, so <laughs> no, they do, looks like we're they doing do that. They listen to feedback, <laughs> and uh, every other week we talk about something new, and they put in a roadmap, so uh, we have been benefited. I, I hope you will benefit, too, by providing feedback to these guys. Great, thanks. Thank you. All right. So going back up here to the top, um, you might want to save that exact query that we just had. So you've got the ability here to mark it as a favorite. Essentially, you're creating an audit report. You give it a name and give it a description. You can just pull that back anytime that you need to. Um, likewise, you also have the ability right there, as, as you might have seen, to save something as an alert. So um, really, any of those guys is, uh, is possible. So the last thing that we did is that we searched for important information that existed inside of my environment. The next question might be like information flow mapping, which is a really kind of difficult topic for a lot of our customers. How do you do that? Do the same thing we did before. We're going to go ahead and search for PII. We're going to find where important data exists inside of my environment. Then we'll show you how we can look at and build policies around how that data gets accessed. So in addition to um, the, the machine learning in Macy that's really looking for specifically for things that look like data exfiltration events, um, through expert knowledge that you have of your own environment and what's appropriate and what's not, you can set your own policies, and we'll go through how you can do that. So here, we're looking um, on the research index, we're looking through S3 objects, looking for anything that has high PII impact. Um, we can see that it exists in two different buckets, and what we can do is we can go ahead and just save these buckets off, and we're going to look for any activity to these buckets and see if we can build a policy around it. So here's our two buckets. I just clicked export to CSV. I'm going to be lazy here, and I'm just going to Button paste as well. Now let's go ahead and build a bucket. Let's see, let's see if we can figure out how this bucket has been accessed. So I'm going to go to CloudTrail data right now. And I, I told you earlier about the user behavior component of Macy. Now we're searching that same data that our analytics um, search across automatically, and we're going to, to um, look for any accesses going to this bucket. Here's a basic search. Let's just pull back 30 days of activity. So has this bucket been accessed, and how has it been accessed in the past 30 days? Here's our search. You can see it matched on uh, 2,500 different results. Let's go see if we can find something interesting here. So here's an access to this object coming through. Um, Macy's user behavior analytics, what does it work on? Um, essentially what happens is you have CloudTrail and you have the data plane accesses hitting a Spark application that's aggregating that user activity into five-minute windows, and that's what you see here. So here we have an IM user, uh, which is an assumed role called Super Awesome, um, <laughs> one of our devs. Um, and uh, so the types of information we gather and the things that go to our analytics, um, things you can build uh, alerts on as well, uh, would include uh, what API calls were executed. Um, you can see that it was um, get um, objects that were happening here. Um, what buckets were accessed. I can see the bucket name. Where was it coming in from? What ISP were we accessing from? What type of CLI was or sorry, user agent was used? All this gives you visibility from a security perspective um, for a forensic investigation or anything like that. Is this normal access? Um, so up here at the top, we see all these different accesses coming in. We're going to go ahead and tighten up this query, and we're going to search specifically for things that are Git objects, right? We're looking for information flow. We're looking for any time this data might be leaving our environment. So I'm going to do an and. I'm going to start typing again. I'm going to take advantage of one of the more advanced features inside Macy here, where we're storing event names and error codes together. So I'm going to search for successful Git objects. So since there's no error code after it, I can search on this, and it's really going to show me just... Uh, uh, times that I've got successful um, accesses to my environment. Actually, before I do that as well, you can see here, one, some of the things that we do are threat intelligence enrichment. So we compare Tor, things like that. So we look for, if you guys are familiar with the Onion Router, 
um, anonymization networks that are used sometimes by people to masquerade their identities. These are things that we look at, something highly likely to generate an alert in Macy if someone is accessing high-value content um, through something like uh, through Tor. And we could see if that's happened. I was actually thinking before we build this alert, like why don't we build something to stop any anonymous accesses from coming into this environment? So we've identified where our important buckets are, and you can you know, list as many different buckets there as you want. Under account ID, any anonymous accesses, whether they're successful or not, will get logged with an account ID in CloudTrail, calling it anonymous principle. So we're just going to add that to our search and say, has this happened at all in the past 30 days? And it looks like we've got one example where this happened. And go ahead and break this down. And you, know, you can see very quickly here, this was, uh, this was not a successful uh, um, access attempt to an object, but I can see where the, the user was coming in from. I can see the IP address associated from Tor. We get this by talking to the Tor service and pulling back the, uh, the list of exit nodes that's published every day. So it's generally pretty accurate, but um, you know, not a smoking gun. It's certainly something I think is worth looking at. And here you see what appears to be some sort of a bot that is just kind of crawling and searching for, for uh, types of, of data that, that, that typically exist. So really what I've done here is I've created a query saying, show me any time that anyone from anonymous principal accesses my important data. From that point, I can just save this thing as an alert, give it an, you know, uh, access to from Tor, save it as an alert, and then you'll know any time that this happens. Um, you have the ability to pick um, a category and you have an ability to pick a severity. All this gets mapped into the metadata of the object that gets sent to CloudWatch events. So if you want to automate this, if you want to um, kick off an email to the user, if you want to go really hardcore and, and, and sandbox the user's account or something like that, you have the ability to do that using Lambda uh, as a follow-on function. Great. Going back to the uh, same use case we were doing earlier. We're starting to search for where geographically are my accesses coming in from, the information flow mapping. So let's go ahead and do that. So um, as I was saying earlier, we're going to use the event name error code, and we're going to search for successful accesses. So right now I'm looking for one or more buckets. Um, here we're just looking for Macy sample data bucket, um, and then a successful get object in the past 30 days. So we'll come back and we'll take a look through the fields breakdown in a second here. Take a look, here's our super awesome user again. You can see where was he accessing from in this case. Uh, this case coming in from Boardman, so it's an AWS IP address. Um, and what we'll do right now is to say, okay, what countries was this accessed from? So here I can see it was accessed from the United States, it was accessed from Sydney, Austria, things like that. In GDPR, um, it's really important that um, when you have data located within a region, you understand any information flows outside of that region. Um, this data in this case is located in the United States. There's some accesses coming in from Austria, so we'll see if we can um, build something to search for anything that's coming from outside of the United States. As you can see here, our location is searching for, um, um, you know, pretty specifically uh, things from different cities. So this is another case where we can take advantage of Macy's regular expression search capability and just search for anything coming from the United States. So what I'm going to do right now is I'm going to modify the search that I just started building, and I'm going to go back to a regular expression-based search. So. Once again, this is some Lucene foo that we're going to do here, but it's pretty easy to, to, to do once you get the, the hang of it. So anything coming in from Macy with a successful get, get object and the IP location. Um, in, in regular expression land, this uh, tilde right here means not. And we're going to remove the ash burn and just search for anything. So any city inside of the United States. Build that query. So you've got 130 matching results. These guys appear to be a, a set of uh, cross-account accesses coming in. So here you can see in, in the event of cross-account accesses, all we see is the principal ID. Um, I can see exactly when these guys happened. I can go ahead and save that as an alert in that time. Information flow mapping and enforcement there is, is one step closer to getting that done. Any questions? So next question would be, um, what do alerts look like in Macy when they get generated? Um, we didn't want to, I guess we wanted to give our customers the basic ability to handle alerts within our user interface, um, but we didn't have any illusions about um, whether they would be handling all of their alerts here, particularly big companies, big customers that want to aggregate their, uh, their alerts. I think one of the, the things that might help us, 
when the alert comes, is it coming, basically having some alert header so you can customize, you can know it's coming for access alert or if it's because of the object or mm -hmm. there's a, basically you want very quickly, you want to extract the action out of it and you want to understand the threat that's coming. So I think when the alert comes middle of the night or whenever, I want to just see, is it S3, is it credit card, is it access? So you can, you can take your measures very quickly. So I think those type of things will grouping the alerts together, mm -hmm. bundling them in the category, and those could be some interesting action items there that we can uh, think about. Talking about tags. Um, some of the features we've had coming in from our customer, as you can see here, each alert is mapped to different tags to the alert. So you can see it's a basic alert, so it's rule driven um, for this top one, and it's also an anonymized access. Um, one of the things I think was great feedback that we've heard from our customers, is it possible for us to incorporate tags from your environment into those alerts? Uh, so that's one of the things that we're working on right now. If you had, for example, an instance or a bucket that was tagged prod, uh, we'd be able to bring that in as a, um, as a tag that you could see here, filter. And I think that would also help in distributing the action item to concerned departments. So if you have like several departments, one is security, another is infrastructure security, or something else, right? Or maybe you're catching it in a pre-prod where you can divert it to a dev team. So mm -hmm. the alert classification and taking it further down to the different category, I think it simplifies my workflow. Yeah. That, that, that definitely helps. And, and also what we can do is, if you have very specific use case and you wanna take action immediately on it, so for example, if you have a bucket that you want to make sure that's never exposed to the internet, and you get alerted that a one specific object within this bucket, you know the bucket name, it got, the ACL on it got changed and now it's globally accessible. You can run a small lambda function that it takes a pre-approved ACL and enforce it directly on the object. In this way, your exposure goes to only to few, only like minutes instead to be going unnoticed for very long time. So that's another like way of what you can leverage alerts in order to increase your security. In overall, once it moves to the event-driven model where the events are detected and there is a remediation right after that with another event, uh, they'll definitely... Uh, yeah, it's one of the areas we've had really interesting discussions on within, within AWS, uh, within AWS security. Actually, our team is, is, um, uh, is located within AWS security. Um, as security events get created, well, they'll get routed to the, the appropriate team, and that's one of the things that you know, we really believe too. It shouldn't be a security person that has no context as to what's happening that has to make a decision about what to do. So whenever possible, that's one of the things you'll see in our product that, that um, Agit's really been helping us push forward on, is putting that responsibility and ownership in the hands of the people that, that know that data the best. I would like to add another like, use case around, around uh, the integration through CloudWatch events. We have a customer that they integrated all the alerts with their Slack channel, and like he, he told me, I have Macy everywhere with me. So whenever he goes, any <coughs> alert critical, like they receive it on their channel and they look at it, and they don't want to take any acti like action, they can forward it to their team and they can work on it immediately. So they, you don't need to go to the UI to understand what Macy is uh, reporting to you. You can bring Macy to you and to your mobile phone as well. And that's one of the things that we tried since the beginning. We've gone through some of the advanced cases here where you can build your own policies. Um, through a combination of ML, which we're gonna get to in a second, and also those basic alerts, we really wanted customers to be able to get started out of the box with basically no configuration required. Um, after you set up the CloudFormation templates, um, AC will start running, it will be inspecting CloudTrail, it will be inspecting access policies with the set of um, things that it ships with out of the gate. Um, we just wanted to give the ability to customize it as well. I just want to add that while Lambda is great, the, you can come to the UI as well, like we were doing in the initial days, days. You can come and it can show how to take action from here as well. So for early starters, that might be a good start to get, get a hang of what Macy does when the alert comes through. Mm -hmm. Great, so here's a quick overview of what uh, data looks like inside of Macy. We give a description, we try to give an action for every alert that we have for what uh, we recommend that a user does. Um, all of this metadata information, including all the records here, also get all wrapped up and sent to um, CloudWatch events. So it makes it really easy to pull this into your SIEM tool or whatever correlation software you might want to create to, uh, to map towards those uh, kind of specific use cases. And for the fun stuff, let's go look at machine learning-based alerts. I would like to add on the alert, very important like, feature that we have. If you receive an alert about very specific 
case. So you get the first alert and you have another one that, that the incidents happen again. We don't create a new alert for you. What we yeah, do is just like we go update the original one and said like this one happened twice and you see like you go and represent it with one alert in your dashboard and the first one is alert created and the other one is updated. So you have all the incidents related to the same context all grouped together. So you don't have to go through a lot of alerts like it's the same, it's the same, it's the same. They are all grouped together in a nice way. Here's an example I think that we had. This was an actual uh, a bit of a surprise for us. It was earlier uh, this week where we had 41,000 accesses that we considered to be anomalous coming in from a single user that was um, listing and attempting to download objects. And ended up that was just a bad, a bad process. It was trying to, you know, but instead of creating 41,000 events that you would spend mm -hmm. weeks going through, we map it all together into a single alert. That alert rolls over the next day, so it's only valid for a 24-hour period, but it's one of the things that we do to try to reduce alerts. For most of our customers, we're getting, like even our big customers, um, you know, between one and five alerts a day typically is what we generate. And uh, so now let's go take a look at predictive alerts. So these are, um, don't have any super scary examples here. Um, these are ones we just made for a demo quickly. Um, but what it's doing, let's go talk about what this is doing. So here we've got something, it's, once again, it's our super awesome role. And what our service is doing is looking across a set of features. We monitor 20 plus different features um, in a time series manner. Um, so you can see access is coming in from an anonymous network, um, the number of distinct objects that were read by a user, um, the number of distinct IP addresses that you're connecting in from, all of this stuff, how many objects have been read. Um, essentially what we're doing is we're building a behavioral profile for a user. So in blue, you can see what the user is doing. In, in um, gray, you can see what that, that peer group is doing. We get a lot of questions. How long does it take you to build a, a behavioral profile to get started? And a lot of times when you have a new user, you don't want to have to wait three weeks for something to happen. So we've, we've got a lot of uh, um, and kind of interesting, we've had success here by building peer groups of people that have similar activity profiles. We group them together, and then we just move that new user into that activity profile until we have enough data for them. Um, so here what we see is um, our system doing one step ahead prediction. Um, we can see this user behavior over time is typically less than their peer group. Um, and then we've got this big spike in user activity here where uh, we accessed a ton of data. Um, our user did it. Um, that was way more than we predicted. Those two bars are two standards of deviation of confidence um, from what our system thought that the user was going to do. And what ended up creating this alert was not just the fact that there was a spike in user activity, which happens all the time, but it correlated with a, a security relevant event, right? So we see accesses coming in from the anonymous proxy network um, at the same time as these uh, big spike in, in, in um, object activity. So really the goal here is to try to you know, reduce false positives by building a narrative that makes sense from a security perspective. Um, by adding as much context as we can. This is a really heavy investment area for us right now, and I would expect to see some, some more features coming down the pike pretty soon. Um, right now, um, the big use cases for us would be data exfiltration, so detecting a compromised account, accessing data, um, and then also um, any indications we might see of account compromise or um, unauthorized access to content. I would like to add on, uh, on the analytics part. So currently we have, like, like this model is working, but you, you, there's no one model that covers all use cases. So our plan going forward is continuously invest in, in our analytics engine and keep adding more machine learning models that is more trained on very specific threats and start detecting. So this is our plan. So we have on our roadmap a, a item that's going to come uh, next year where we're going to enhance our analytics and add more uh, threats that are going to be detected. And it's going to be a nonstop job for us to continue fine-tuning these models and add even more machine learning as we, do, as we learn going forward. Exactly. Pretty cool. Great. Well, that's all we have today. Um, we'd love to hear any questions that you guys might have. Go ahead. Uh, we're sister teams. We sit right next to each other. Um, so. Um, so the question was, how, how um, Macy and GuardDuty, um, what level of overlap is there? How do they play together? How should a customer look at these two different services? Is that correct? Great. Um, we're sister teams. We sit right next to each other. We are, um, the, I think the similarities right now, um, any, any event that gets outputted to CloudWatch events, so any of our findings, match the exact same type of format. Um, I would view GuardDuty, what it's built so far, is, is really, uh, really great. And once again, we're all applying anomaly detection and things like that. GuardDuty is very good at detecting network level events. 
port scanning, threat intelligence feeds, um, instance compromise. Um, Macy really it takes a data-centric view. And, uh, and what we're working to do is to bring those guys together much more closely over time. Um, but uh, they, they are complementary, and uh, we're pretty excited about the future there. So. Go ahead. Yes, I can. I can see how that would, uh, that would be confusing. Happy to. So this is kind of our suggestion when we work with customers. We're working on our documentation. Um, but a good place to start if you're trying to figure out how to build your own custom alert is to look at the alerts that we have created here. Um, we have security and data-focused alerts. Kind of an interesting thing here. We sit with the security org, so we see things that come in. This is, um, you guys here in the unsecurity, and how many people are familiar with Kali or Backtrack Linux? Anybody? This is funny stuff that I bet a lot of hackers like, don't know that would be really embarrassing, um, is that when Bodo, so the AWS client library, is compiled, um, it includes the operating system in the user agent string, right? So this is one of the really simple, you know, but funny things is we built an alert here, which is incredibly basic, that just says anytime someone connects in and has the name Kali1 inside of their user agent string, that we, we basically know it's someone that's using a hacking Linux distribution. And that may be bad or may, may not be, uh, but that's one of the really fun things of sitting here in AWS security is we're looking at events like this coming into our system all the time. Absolutely. You can create your own. You can disable these. Um, you can do anything you want to. So. Um, and to answer your question, I'm sorry I got off track there a little bit. Um, here, I'll show you. So uh, here we're looking at the, the PCI credit card. I'm going to go ahead and research this query again. So if we're looking here, um, what we have is a regular expression that's kind of boxed um, inside of this, uh, these two parens. There's a, um, this pipe right here is an or statement. So what it's saying here is search for um, either a two-digit number made up you know, starting with a two through a nine, um, or search for something that's three digits or more. have the option to only classify new content as it's being written. So um, on the integrations page where it says classify all objects, if you just um, don't click that, it will classify new data as it comes in. Um, so I think that could be a little cleaner. The second thing, I'm going to answer the second part of your question. Um, when we launched in August, um, we were always working to drive down our prices. And I think an area where we had a bit of a miss was we thought that um, customers would know where their important data is and they would run on a couple buckets and in the meantime, I see someone laughing here, they would, uh, they, they would uh, wait for the price to drop, which would be coming soon, and then they could deploy across to everything. And the really obvious hindsight thing is that people are just as concerned about what they don't know about as what they do. Um, so I would say the single top development effort and say, here, you can, you know, kind of give us some details on that. So yeah, so, so we're looking forward to, to provide, so, so currently all the features are bundled all together, so basically full classification and protection that you can apply on your bucket. So we're looking into to give you more flexibility how to apply like some features on certain buckets and other features on other buckets. So for example, you can say like if you put a rule that all my external uh, bu like bucket that are globally accessible, I want to fully classify it. I want full protection on it to make sure that no PII information end up there and I have basically problem with my, uh, with my customers. And you, have, you can have other options where you say, I just I need protection on this, I don't need classification, or just I want just enough part of classification to just understand what's in, in this bucket, and then on a need basis, I can decide, okay, I want to go deep dive into the specific prefix or specific bucket to go and full, have full classification. We've had a lot of customers ask us for that like 100 or 1,000 foot view across a petabyte scale environment. Um, and that's really our target, make it cost effective at one to hundreds of petabytes that some of our customers have to get that initial view. Um, and then you can apply use cases on top. So yeah, the, the, so the enable Macy uh, using tag, uh, like you can tag a bucket and then you can take decision using Macy. For example, like you can say, all buckets tagged by this specific tag do this action, 
or even alert that generated related to an object related to this basically bucket, you're going to receive it and you're going to be tagged with the same tag. Take a question there. Yes. Yes. Yeah, all right. We're very excited about some of those integrations. We've been talking to those teams. Thank you. That question there? So, so yeah, the question, like, is there any roadmap to extend it to other, like, data sources? Yes. Thank you for asking. I've yes. been asking that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. We've built um, specific parsers, so we support about 800 different file formats, um, and we do have pretty performant um, support for Parquet, Oric, RC file. Um, currently, sequence six is not supported, but we're going to have that in Q1. Um, currently, uh, the only way to get to metadata inside Macy, like that you see here, is when an alert is generated that made that metadata is sent. Um, but we understand that use case, um, and that's really important to a lot of our customers. We're looking at ways to allow you to like very efficiently export all of the data that Macy classifies. Yeah, so, a couple options there, but we're looking into it. You have a question here? Yes. Macy can only see content within the region that you're currently in. So even if you're shipping logs and things like that into, uh, into a different region, uh, Macy will not be able to analyze bucket policies or content outside of the region it's running in. So like the, the, how Macy that like worked, we get the CloudTrail from the back end. So we don't, like, we don't need to have access to the bucket where you have the CloudTrail you're saving them. We get them from the back end. And when you enable Macy within the region, just by turning it on, we go start getting the CloudTrail from the back end. We don't need access to the bucket where we have all the CloudTrail. So currently the limitation that we decided to, to launch with is to limit it to only one region. And it's for a lot of reasons for making audit for customers easy because we want to make sure that there's no like, data going from one region to another. We have a item on our roadmap where we're going to enable you to have multi-account and cross all your regions. So you have one Macy that you can go to and you have full understanding of what you have in your content, cross all your accounts and cross all regions. And at this moment, you can have what you're asking for. Thank you. Take another question, yes, sir. Okay. So the question is, what's the benefit of Macy to classify data that they are already encrypted and secured in in uh, uh, in S3? The main benefit of it is to know what, what do you have. If it is encrypted, this is great. However, it depends on the type of the encryption that it is used. If you have like server-side encryption, if a entity that they have access to it, they can have access to it because the server-side is going to be decrypted and it's going to be given to the user. So the encryption is great, but still it doesn't protect you fully if the uh, policy attached to the object is giving access. So that's where, by monitoring this, you make sure that if someone changed the policy, you get detected and you go remediated. 
and to classify to know what type of data do you have. It's a couple, I, I view it as having a couple layers of defense. Um, one would be identification of unencrypted data that in a bucket where everything should be encrypted is a yeah. nice possibility. Um, and on, likewise, accesses to that content. You can, it's, it's nice to know if someone that uh, from a cross account or anonymized access to data that's encrypted, uh, even if they don't have the ability to decrypt it, it's good to know that, that you have that type of activity happening. Go ahead. All right. Yes, um, we've been working with several customers in the healthcare space, and that's uh, it's next on our roadmap for, for data classification. Okay. Um, I would happy to share that one offline. <laughs> so we're working towards it right now. I think the question we need to do is we need to prioritize which um, fields and, and standards and codecs within P, for PHI are we going to, uh, to launch with. Um, you guys, are, you guys are, are enumerating our roadmap very well right now. So um, the, the APIs we have right now um, currently, if you were to use it today, um, are just around uh, CloudWatch events. Um, but just like other AWS services, our UI is powered by APIs that are already built. So we're in the process now of, of finding ways to expose that as an SDK. All right. Like, one That's last it. question. So we take it from Oh, uh, sorry, the statement there, what I was saying is that we will continue to add new events that match to an alert for 24 hours. Um, the alerts, we treat, we treat them as being immutable. You can't delete them. You can just archive them. Um, and that after you know, 25 hours, um, a new alert will be created. Yes. From one, yes. All right. Thank you all. Thank you and very if much. if you have more Take questions, care. we can answer it. <laughs>